Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Steffi. I am joined today by Iowa baseball head coach, Rick Heller. Rick, thanks for joining me, especially on a game day today. Thanks, John. I appreciate it. So final homestand this weekend against Indiana. What are you looking to accomplish in these last few days ahead of the Big Ten tournament? Well, it's it's uh, it's uh, an exciting weekend and and one of those weekends why you do it, why you play, you know, we, we, uh, here at home and uh, at least the first two days, the weather looks to be pretty good. Um, not so good maybe on Saturday, but at least we'll have a couple, couple nice days to play at home, uh, with really a lot to play for. So with three games left in the, the regular season and the big 10 season, you know, there's still a mathematical chance uh, for us to win a championship. If we can get hot and, and play, play our best, uh, these three games against Indiana, um, on the other side, if not, um, you know, we're already in the Big Ten tournament, which is a, a great thing and something that we're obviously going to be preparing for as we go through this series. Um, it's going to be a big challenge as we face one of the most talented teams in the Big Ten in Indiana. Um, they, they scuffled uh, some in the early half of the season, you know, primarily just throwing throwing strikes and getting themselves in trouble and giving up free bases. But yeah, if if anyone listening is going to watch this series uh, this weekend, they're going to see that uh, they're going to run some of the best arms, if not the best arms we've seen in Big Ten play all three games. Uh, you'll see some 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 big time hitters. Uh, they have a couple guys with 16 and 17 home runs. Uh, they have athletic fast guys at the top and the bottom of the order, and they, they pose a real challenge for us. Uh, and they're playing for something. I mean, they need they need to play well and they're in that. They're in that pack in the middle that is that is fighting to get into the Big Ten tournament. And so we're going to get their best effort, that is for sure. And how important are these games in terms of the difference between being, say, a three or a four seed in the Big Ten tournament? You know, it, it, it's, it's, really, it's really something that we haven't thought a whole lot about. I mean, we're just trying to take care of one game at a time and give ourselves a chance if um, – if the chips fall our way with uh, Maryland and, and Rutgers, uh, you know, both of those teams have tough opponents in the final week, you know, the uh, um, Maryland goes to Purdue, uh, which is not an easy place to play. And Rutgers goes to Michigan, which is not an easy place to play. And then uh, Illinois who we're tied with has to go to Penn state. So all three of those teams are on the road and anything can happen, as you know, uh, in a road series, especially when all the teams in that mix are playing for something. Uh, so, so our primary focus is just each pitch really being our best and getting our minds right and being in an attack mode, being in, a, in an aggressive mode and, and not going out and, 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 and playing uh, tight or anything like that. We're, we're really trying to focus on being loose and being our best and let the chips fall where they may. And wherever we end up, uh, we know, you know, that's the thing about this league is that whoever you play, whether you're the first seed or the, the fourth seed, the team you draw is going to have a Friday night starter that's good enough to beat you if you don't play well. And, and so, um, you know, I, I'm not even sure uh, if there's a team that I would rather play in that group. And quite frankly, we don't even know who's going to be in the group. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the one, the one thing, John, I didn't mention is that there's a lot of other stuff outside the diamond going on this weekend that makes it, um, you know, hopefully not a distraction, but um, it, it's going on nonetheless. You know, we 
we have our big golf outing tomorrow morning, uh, which is a big fundraiser for the program, uh, being off at nine o'clock at Finkbine. And then tomorrow night, um, we will host uh, the we will honor the the 1972 World Series team before the game. It's their 50th anniversary. Uh, we have fireworks after the game tomorrow night, and then Saturday uh, will be uh, Alumni Day and and Parents Day, uh, along with our Senior Day, with uh, where we'll honor our senior players and their families, and our managers and their families. And then it's a uh, an odd end to the regular season where. Uh, we're going to have to play an 8:02 start uh, Saturday because of uh, ESPN picking ESPNU picking the game up, so it'll be a nationally televised game. So just a lot, lot going on here in <laughs> Iowa City with the baseball program. And that 8:02 start—that's a little unusual there. That has to kind yeah, of throw not, off not, the rhythm a little bit. Not, not something, not something that you know, Coach Mercer or myself. Uh, was really uh, a big fan of, but really, what do you do? You can't turn down a nationally televised game for your program. Um, but unfortunately, uh, the weather looks looks like it could be in the 40s with 20 mile an hour north wind. So that's not anything anybody would want on the last day of the regular season, um, uh, especially since we finally uh, got some warm weather here the last 10 days, and after maybe one of the coldest, windiest springs we've ever played in, and. So it looks like it's going to be a little chilly on Saturday, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, it is what it is and we'll have to, um, we'll have to do the best we can with it. And then, Hey, uh, depending on where you finish, I mean, you might have to play the nine o'clock start, uh, in the, in the big 10 tournament. So maybe that could be good preparation there. Yeah, it could be, it could be for sure. So, um, then, this probably is a little bit of an understatement, but pitching certainly seems to be a strength this year for you. What's been the key to that group's success? Well, the guys who are doing well um, have really done a nice job of just pounding the strike zone and, and, and working ahead and dictating the count. And that's so, so important. Uh, you know, if you're going to give yourself and your team a chance to win is not constantly falling behind. And in the days that we have had problems, um, that has been the problem. It's, you know, been falling behind the count or, or not being able to command secondary pitches in, in fastball counts. And uh, I would say that we've done an exceptional job uh, over the course of the year of really, um, you know, being able to throw secondary pitches in fastball counts and not feed good hitters fastballs uh, where they could do damage. And if you look through, you know, our record and our stats, I mean, that's to me the biggest the biggest uh, reason that we've had a lot of success on the mound. Um, we've had a few blips in the radar here the last three weeks with starters um, in either game two or game three, um, be it either having a bad start and having to go out of the game extremely early, like the first or second inning, which is kind of rare. Uh, but then baseball is such a strange game. I mean, sometimes it's the opponent, you know, we played Michigan state on Sunday and I don't think it would have mattered if Nolan Ryan was pitching in the second inning. It was just one of those weird, weird deals where now they get eight hits in the second inning. I mean, the odds of that are astronomical and it was just, you know, there were some hard hit balls, but there was just any contact they made found a hole. And that's the, the, the unique and crazy thing about our game. Sometimes it just doesn't matter what you do, but um, <laughs> we're hoping this weekend that we can get three quality starts uh, and give ourselves a chance uh, to, to give the ball to the bullpen with, with a close game or a lead. We've, 
fallen behind in in uh, three of our losses the last three weeks and, and really had to try to fight back and 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 didn't have enough uh, in the tank to do that. But um, for the most part, though, especially our, our Friday star, Adam Mazur has just been phenomenal. Um, he leads the league in ERA. Um, he he leads the league in several off, uh, pitching categories. Um, the staff itself has struck struck out well over 500 batters this season, which is a new school record. Um, you know, Adam's numbers are equal to, if not better than Trenton Wallace uh, last year, who was the Big Ten pitcher of the year. So, I mean, there's some there's some talented pitchers in our league this year that have put up good numbers. But, um, you know, barring anything crazy tonight and in, in the Big Ten tournament, Adam's going to have a shot at that, at least, um, you know, as far as the vote goes, I would think that he's going to get a lot of votes for for pitcher of the year in the league. Um, so. Yeah, and then guys like Ben Butel and Duncan David have just done a phenomenal job out of the bullpen. And then Ty Langenberg uh, has had a had a bad start here or there, but for the most part, he's been really consistent over the 14 weeks and has given us a chance to win most of the time. So uh, give a lot of the credit to to how hard our pitchers work and our pitching coach Robin Lund, who does an amazing job. And then with having somebody like Adam at the front of your rotation, how helpful is that in postseason baseball where you know, you, you're going to face, as you were mentioning earlier, probably a pretty good Friday night starter in the Big Ten tournament. No, for sure. I mean, yeah, if you if you want to win the tournament, I mean, it's really tough to, to lose the first game and fight back through the loser's bracket. So the first game is, is crucial, as is the second. Those first two, if you can find a way to win the first two games, you put yourself in a really good spot in the tournament setting. And um, we're going to have, uh, you know, as good a guy as there is out there for us. And that's a great feeling. And it seems like Brody Brecht has really turned down his ERA quite a bit from, I think, is in the fours earlier to now in the twos. What's been the difference for him? Well, it's just throwing more strikes and working ahead in the count. Um, if Brody gets ahead in the count and, and can throw his, his breaking ball, uh, you know, when he, when, he, when he gets a hitter uh, to two strikes, I mean, it's, it's lights out. Um, the, the issue uh, with Brody is just making sure that he is ahead in the count and can throw his secondary stuff for a strike. And he's done that much, much better the second half of the season. He's really trending upward. Um, and, you know, we're in a position now where you can put Brody in some leverage situations late in the game and you feel really confident that he's going to go out and get the job done. And that's, that's a big, that's a big jump for Brody at uh, where he was at the beginning of the year till now. Uh, his command is, is much better. Uh, his confidence is good. He's in a good place mentally and um, feel really good about his progress this season. I'm sure it helps that now he only has to focus on one sport for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He did it. He did a nice job though. Um, you know, through the spring ball portion of the season, he handled that really well. Actually, that was when the, the, the uptick or the, the, the trend to throw more strikes started to happen during, during that time. So he didn't let it affect him too much. And then from the hitting side, what do you think is the next step there? Well, I mean, the hitting the hitting side on this team, um, you know, we're we're um, pretty much been carried by uh, Keaton Anthony and Peyton Williams the majority of the season. Uh, this team had to fight through a lot of stuff and still is fighting through a lot of stuff with injuries on the position player side. At times, we've had four and five starters out this year, um, and and 
how the guys that came in and filled those roles stepped up for us. The guys like Cade Moss and Ben Wilmus, uh, you know, those guys have done a tremendous job. Sam Peterson, um, you know, those guys have come in and, and, and not only just filled the hole while those guys were hurt, but they produced while those guys were hurt and gave us a chance to have the season that we're having. If you look at a lot of the teams that have really struggled that are traditionally at the top of the league, they had, injury situations like we did maybe less than what we did and and you see the results of what can happen um our next man up mentality and just getting in there and figuring out a way to help the team uh that mentality has really carried our team this season and then having peyton williams and keaton anthony um stay healthy to this point all season long um they're they're just two big forces in the middle of the lineup you know we were without isaiah fillard for the first six seven weeks of the season and he broke a handmade bone right before the season started had to have surgery to take it out i mean that was a big blow to our offense and then ty snap um who's one of the better hitters in the league hasn't played at all this season now i mean a few at bats early as he tried to fight through a back injury and he would have been the starting catcher so those are those are tough injuries to overcome and um, you know, we kept our head above water uh, throughout February and March uh, with those injury situations. And then, uh, you know, once we started to get uh, Isaiah back and some other guys back in April, we kind of started to roll. And, you know, right now we're, we're, we're looking at, I think we've won, you know, seven out of our last eight series. Um, and, and we're, we're pretty healthy. I mean, we still have a couple guys that are out that were, were key guys. Will Multher was one of those guys who came in, uh, and gave us a big spark and was swinging the bat well, and, and he was playing right field. And then Will ran into the wall and separated his shoulder in the Purdue series. So he's been out since then. And Andy Nelson is out and, um, Brendan Schur is kind of limping through the final series with a bad hamstring, but he's going to play tonight. So, so with that being said, um, the consistency uh, with Peyton and Keaton, uh, they put up, you know, all conference years, uh, you know, possible player of the year type type numbers for both of those guys. And um, they're, they're both uh, Keaton's over Keaton's over 20 doubles. He had 21 doubles. And he's getting close to the school record. Uh, both of them have 12 or 13 home runs. Um, Peyton's in the upper teens in doubles. Um, I would say that if it was a normal spring where, you know, we had a variance of kind of warm days and cold days, whereas this spring it was primarily all cold and the wind blowing in, I think I counted 23 out of 25 games where the wind blew in. Um, Peyton, Peyton and Keaton would probably both be over 20 home runs, you know, if, if we'd have played in, in normal conditions uh, that you have in the spring. But both of those guys have been outstanding and then we're, you know, we're, we're trying to do the best job we can of um, scrapping and fighting at the top and the bottom of the order to get on base for those guys. I guess you need to buy your lottery ticket so you can pay for a dome. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. Or just move the season back and start in April. <laughs> that, would be, that would, that would probably solve it too. <laughs> <laughs> probably a cheaper option there. Yeah. <laughs> so if obviously there's a lot to go between now and then, but what would be your pitch right now to be an at-large team in the NCAAs? Well, I, I think that um, the committee needs to throw out the RPI uh, with certain teams in certain parts of the country, certain regions. I mean, not, not throw it out. I mean, it needs to be a factor. But to, to take a logical look at, at, at the situation and why 
certain teams' RPI is where it is compared to other teams. I would argue that there are teams in the South um, that have top 20 RPIs who, if they were in the Big Ten, they'd be 130 or 140, just based on who they would have to play regionally uh, during the midweek games. You know, if you look at our schedule and look at our situation, you know, we were without some of our best players the first six weeks of the season. Our number two starter went down in week two. Adam Mazur was hurt but pitched through it for uh, after week three. Uh, he didn't get healthy again until you know, almost uh, the second week of April. Uh, but take a look at our body of work, how we fought through it, even with some some really major injury situations and and didn't and didn't uh, get beat up. We still won games and, and kept a, kept a winning record the entire time. We played a tough early season schedule. Um, you know, we've won seven out of our eight series. Um, you know, I, I, I just think that if you look at the teams that we, we split with Texas Tech, um, you know, we, to me, if you look, and then we have a frontline starter on Friday night uh, that can beat anybody in the country. Um, I think if you look at all those factors and, and just throw out strictly the RPI, um, you know, we should, we should bump ahead of some teams if they look at the entire picture and the body of work. And that's what you hope that the committee will do. And then with the bid going out for the latest phase of the renovation of Dwayne Banks field, how much of an impact will that have on the program? Oh, it'll be, it'll be huge. I mean, it's been needed for, for years and years and years. Um, you know, there were some things that popped up during my career here that held us back uh, that were, you know, uncontrollable things happened, um, COVID happened, um, and and we're to a point now where, you know, Scott Brickman, uh, who who is our foundation rep, who works with me hand in hand and raising the money, he's done an amazing job. Um, this past year, we've really, we've really got a lot of guys that stepped up to help us. And, um, you know, it just, it just has to get done. And, we're really close. It will get done. We're, we're going to get it done. And, and, and if it stays on schedule, we'll be breaking ground about this time next year. And hopefully we'll be playing in the, the new stadium in 24. Uh, it's really exciting because I, I know what it will do uh, for us from a recruiting standpoint. But the other thing that it will do is it will really, really help uh, our fan experience. Uh, you know, the current the current ballpark, um, you know, the, the the playing field. We've done it in three stages, John. We've already did. We finished phase one and phase two, which uh, was the turf and the scoreboard and all of the amenities and cleanup around it. Uh, but the stadium itself um, is old. It, it was it was hauled over from Kinnick in 1972, uh, and and was being used for probably 15 years prior to that. So this and, and people, when they go to the bathroom, they end up standing in line for two innings. And if we have a big crowd, uh, which we do all the time now on nice days, um, it's tough to get to the concession stand and not miss a lot of the action. Our press box is is really small and um, it, it, it can't fit all of the needs that we have with the press box and the uh, technology side of it that we need uh, to be able to house inside the press box. So with that being said, um, it, you know, it's been time for a long time. I feel like uh, we're going to get it done, and it's a super exciting time for Iowa baseball. And, you know, in, in, in my career, um, as, as we head into the fourth quarter, it's something that I want to leave for 
the next coach at Iowa so that he has uh, a stadium that they can be proud of for 20 or 30 years and uh, be able to help the program continue to grow uh, long after I'm gone. I certainly don't mind the sound of a new press box. <laughs> yeah, that's, to that's, a reporter's ears. No, and for sure. And, and it needs to be done and it needs to be done the right way. And that is the biggest, uh, one of the biggest parts of this stadium. I mean, like I said, the fan experience is, is essential for us um, selling more season tickets and getting more people at the ballpark. And a new stadium will definitely do that. And the great thing about this design for the stadium, it's basically the same footprint that we have now. Uh, the, the vision is, you know, really, really nice press box, big to house everybody that you would ever need to be in there and then be able to host regionals with no problem and then be able to have chairbacks for everybody in the, in the grandstands with uh, modern amenities and modern bathrooms, modern concessions where guys can get in and out and, and be able to watch the game. But the other, the other point is if we do, if we ever do move the season back some, um, we will have a need for a bigger stadium. So this stadium has a design where it can be expanded relatively easy uh, if that ever does happen. Oh, wow. So even with the expanded seating that's already in the project plans, it could expand even more. Yeah, we could extend down our, our, down our lines and, 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 and get it to five or six or seven pretty easily uh, as far as five or six, 7,000 people if we needed to. Because I think that if we ever did move the season back um, and we played into the summer, once the weather's warm, um, I think we would, we would have a need for that. I saw what it did at Nebraska when they had an old stadium similar to ours. They got great crowds and they you know, got support, but once they moved in to, to, to Haymarket Park, uh, they've sold 5,000 season tickets every year since then, you know, having a nice stadium for people to go to. I'm sure you wouldn't mind 5,000. No, and I, I know there are weekends when, when we would have that, and this might be one of them. You know, when we get warm weather, um, we generally uh, come close to selling out. Uh, I believe that the reason that a lot of people stay home is because of the tight uh, fit in the stands. Uh, you know, it was built in, a, in an era where they didn't leave you much room in between seats. Um, you know, that will be expanded in the new stadium and it'll be a much more comfortable situation for people to come. It'll be better uh, equipped for handicap accessibility and uh, it'll just be a way better experience. It'll be easier to get into and get out of. Um, and I just think that once that's done, number one, people will come out uh, to see it. And if they have a great experience while they're there, they're going to come back. And, and that's really what happened, you know, with Nebraska. I mean, they uh, the first year, everybody was so excited to go to a to a big modern stadium that, and then they had fun and they had a great time and 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 everything was was done the right way. Um, boom, it blew up and you know they have to basically stop selling season tickets so they can have walk up tickets. Oh wow, good problem to have there. Yeah, and and I really believe that we can we can do that here, especially if um, you know if the season moves back, it's a no, it's definitely going to happen. But as you well know, John, the, the, the weather dictates a lot of our, our, our crowds. And uh, for us uh, to maximize that, some springs you're going to have um, in your favor where you get a lot of nice days in April. But there are other springs where, like this one where we don't. And uh, you have very few nice days. But even on the days when it was cold and fairly miserable, we were, we were 
you know, getting over a thousand people at the games. And then you've had a mix of different Iowa athletes from other sports throwing out first pitches. Have you been paying much attention to those? Oh yeah. That's something that, that we talked about prior to the season and our marketing guys have done a really good job and um, it's something that I really like. And I think it adds a, a nice touch to it and it gives, gives us a chance to, to honor uh, the great athletes and coaches in the other sports here at Iowa, which we have so many right now. It's, it's amazing. Any tips to Monica Snano after her first pitch? <laughs> well, I, I told Monica before she went out there um, <laughs> to throw it hard. If you're going to miss, at least you want to throw it hard. <laughs> and she <threw> it hard. <laughs> maybe she listened a little too much to that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> There was no fear, and that's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> there was no fear. She didn't baby it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rick, thanks for joining me. All right. Thanks, John, for having me. I appreciate it. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in to another episode. Until next time, we will talk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.